TII Item 213, February 24th, 2012. Sticky Wickets. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullet! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by Hover. Please visit tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com to get 10% off your domain name registrations. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Trey for sending in the music you hear in the background. Trey wrote, Hi, Rob. I just made a song with GarageBand on my iPod Touch. Regards, Trey. Well, thanks, Trey, for the music. And folks, I'll try to remember to put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Jesse for sending in the artwork for today's show. Jesse wrote, Hi, Rob. Took this photo with my iPhone, edited with SnapSpeed and Instagram, text was from Fontify, and used an app I got as a promo code from you a while back called DoubleShot. Regards, Jesse. Well, Jesse, thanks again for sending in this artwork. Folks, you can see Jesse's artwork in the TII app in the extras for episode 213, or if you subscribe via iTunes as the album artwork and also as a standalone post in the VIP section, and I'll try to get it up on Google Plus and Facebook as well. If you have some artwork and or music you've created on your iOS device and would like to share it with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com and make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, We have a really good opportunity to become number two in tablets fairly quickly, possibly number one. Unquote. John Rubenstein, Senior Vice President and General Manager, Palm Global Business Unit, HP, 23rd of June, 2011. And today, less than one year later, well, let's just say John is no longer with HP. And per the number two tablet position, HP kind of did that for a month when they unloaded their tablets for $99, less than half of what it cost them to make. For promo codes on episode 212, we offered up chances to win the promo codes for the apps Stream Show and Art of Coffee. I will give those out shortly, so if you want more info on those apps, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 212 for additional details. This week, we have promo codes for the app App Tools. That's A-P-P-T-O-O-L-Z. What is App Tools, you ask? Well, according to the dev, it is a, quote, unique app that lets anyone create rich and dynamic apps for the iPad and iPhone using the iPad and iPhone. App Tools creates fully native iOS apps that run indistinguishable from any other app downloaded from the App Store. With its easy-to-use drag-and-drop interface and hypercard-like scripting language, anyone can create and run beautiful mobile apps in minutes right from their iPad, iPhone, or iPod Touch. They are currently working on adding a publishing interface to enable app submission directly from App Tools to the App Store, such that for the first time in history, the entire app process from creation to publishing uh, occurs entirely on an iPad, iPhone, or iPod Touch. Well, thanks, Aoli, for sending in the promo codes for your app, App Tools. I am sure this one is going to get a bunch of requests for the promo code. And if you want this, 
you need to promise to use the app to create an app and then send in the promo codes for the app you created with this promo code. Kind of sounds incestuous, doesn't it? But yes, if you are one that's going to request this, you have to promise to make an app. And then when you do make said app, uh, if you make it available for sale, you need to send in promo codes to the show for us to give away your app that you created with this app from the promo code. Don't request this if you are just going to be a looky-loo. So if you are serious about creating an app using the App Tools app, and you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios.gmail.com and put app tools in the subject line. I'll be giving these away sometime next week. As always, if you are an app developer, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. There is never a charge for you, the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios.gmail.com and please also include a 60-second or less audio review of your app indicating you are the dev. If you don't have promo codes to give away, or if your app is free and you still want to get a review of your app on the show, you can just send in a 60-second or less review of your app. Again, making sure to mention up front you are the dev, and we'll work it into a future episode of the show, just not at the beginning of the show. And now on with the news. If you have the TI app, you would have received or should have received a push message earlier this week letting you know of a special TV program on ABC's Nightline. This was per a special about Foxconn. In the special, they do a good job pointing out Apple is not Foxconn's only customer. They have many of the other big names in consumer electronics as their customers, and they went on to mention some of those in the, in the show, but not all of them, but some of the other big names. To me, there was nothing really surprising that was shown. It looked like an assembly line for electronics, like many I've seen in the past and even ran engineering for one. So I have a pretty good background on the electronic assembly, probably better than anyone that covers this space. I've been to contract manufacturing plants in China, Brazil, uh, the U.S., and Europe. There really was nothing shocking or unexpected from what they showed, sans the suicide nets, which the ABC program did point out that Foxconn had a much lower than the national average for suicide rate. I can say having spent over 16 years working in electronic manufacturing and where the companies I worked for had facilities in the U.S., Europe, and China, Foxconn, from what I can see, was a cleaner working environment than any of the facilities I was associated with, and the pay for employees at Foxconn was at $1.78 an hour, which is more than I expected, actually. Uh, we paid our starting people in the U.S., this is in the U.S., less than $8 an hour, and that was back 10 years ago. So maybe... That was one surprise. Their pay rate was higher for employees than I expected. And as near as I could tell, that $1.78 an hour was prior to the recently announced 16 to 25% raise. Now, I know there are a lot of unknowledgeable people asking, but why can't we get those jobs over here in the U.S.? Let's just say at less than $8 an hour, we had a hard time finding and retaining employees. At $1.78 an hour, they had 3,000-plus storming the gates to get jobs. And don't even get me started on the political reasons why it's easier to produce in China than it is here. I remember when we expanded our production facility in Olathe, Kansas, there was a couple days where our plant was basically shut down while we were waiting to move into this brand-new extension on our building and we're just waiting for the right political people and government people to come through and sign off on the dotted line. It was a nightmare. And mind you, that was in Olathe, Kansas, and that was one of the more pro-business friendly manufacturing areas in the U.S. 
That all said, there are many jobs being created by the iOS ecosystem in the U.S. One study from TechNet shows there have been over 466,000 jobs created in the U.S. since 2007, and many of them have been created in the app ecosystem, be it coding or marketing or other support jobs for companies creating smartphone apps. Heck, the company I work for is very much involved in doing iOS and Android apps, so part of my job is in the app economy. I will tell you this, if you have to choose between putting together electronic subassemblies with components you can barely see, or coding in Objective-C, yeah, Objective-C will win every time. And I should also point out, Foxconn did put out some corrections from the ABC segment saying that over 75% of their employees make over $2.18 an hour. And when they work overtime on the weekends, they make $4.28 an hour, which is a lot more than I would have expected they would be making, which is why they have thousands and thousands lining up for jobs. All right, switching subjects, but not countries. You know that legal battle I mentioned about the iPad name going on in China between Apple and ProView and my comments that this would likely be settled out of court quickly with a big check? Well, yeah, that has not happened yet. And earlier this week, Apple and ProView were in a Shanghai court fighting it out for four hours with Apple accusing ProView of essentially extortion and not telling the truth. And then ProView saying what in legal terms could best be converted to, quote, I know you are, but what am I? Unquote. Apple even recently sent a letter to the CEO of ProView where Apple kind of biatch slaps them upside the head for their public statements, which Apple says that ProView knows are lies and that Apple will go after individuals legally if they keep it up. The back and forth was evidently so heated in the Shanghai courtroom that the judge had to admonish both sides repeatedly for not observing proper court protocol. That would seem to be when Apple's lawyers jumped up and said, you all have cooties, to which the ProView lawyers retorted, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off me and sticks on you. Infinity. Yeah, fast out-of-court settlement? Mm, maybe not. As I mentioned previously, the Hong Kong court ruled in Apple's favor, said that ProView does, doesn't have the right to this name, that they violated the contract. Actually, I was able to find some audio from that court ruling. Let me play what the judge had to say to ProView in that case. Under Section 37B of the contract signed by him, it states quite clearly that all offers shall become null and void if, and you can read it for yourself in this photostatic copy, I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses herein and herein contained, etc., etc. Fax mentis incendium gloria culpum, etc., etc. Memo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. So you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. And now comes word that the Shanghai court rejected ProView's call for an injunction and said they would have to await the rulings from another court in Shenzhen where Apple has appealed a recent ruling that went against Apple in this case. And yet further to why I try not to talk about legal cases on the show is the follow-up or add-on for this story, and that is that ProView, now either in a case of complete insanity or complete brilliance, has taken the legal fight about the iPad name to Apple's doorstep and has filed a suit at the Santa Clara Superior Court. 
Their biggest complaint seems to be that Apple used a dummy company to do the transaction of buying the iPad name, which I guess their point is, if they knew it was Apple, they would have asked for a lot more money defense, which to me, would, and I guess to most, would seem like a weak argument. But these are lawyers we're talking about here, and who knows how things are going to turn out. I want to take a minute now to talk about today's sponsor, and that is Hover. If you go to tii.hover.com, that's tii.hover.com, you can get 10% off your domain name registrations and transfers. And actually, today I'm going to talk about email. Hover offers up custom emails, which if you're trying to look professional, you at your own domain.com looks more impressive than your name 85 at gmail.com. I know I go to my Rob at podcast411.com email when I'm reaching out to someone new and trying to impress. And from February 24th to the 29th, you can get 25% off your first year registration of email with Hover by using the promo code SAVE25. One word. So it's S-A-V-E-2-5. SAVE25 to well, save 25% off your email with Hover. They have great tutorials on how to set up your custom email for your iOS device, as well as many other tutorials on setting up email from any other platform and software. Hover's email offering is everything you would be looking for. Pop or IMAP, webmail, two gig of storage, email forwarding, and wait for it, customer support. Yes, with Hover, you get great customer support, which is one thing I hear back all the time from listeners that use Hover. They love the customer support. Now is a great time to get your own custom email address. Again, nothing says professional like your name at yourdomain.com. And right now you can get 25% off that email by using the promo code SAVE25. Just go to tii.hover.com. Thanks, Hover, for sponsoring this show. Hey, Rob, it's John from Long Island, Long Island. I've been trying to uh, download your iBook podcast 101. Can't seem to find it. I've been looking since late last night after listening to your podcast. And uh, then I looked under your name, Rob Walsh, and it had nothing listed. I don't know. It's hard to download it. I can't find it. Anyway, thanks for the podcast. Josh, thanks for the voicemail message and for trying to find the iBook. And I want to thank all that were able to find it and download my iBook, Podcast 101. I need to say right up front, sorry for those that couldn't find it. You need an iPad or a computer to download it or to even find it in the iBook. It does not download or show up on the iPhone or iPod Touch. And you need to have an iPad to actually view it. And finally, you should view it in landscape mode on your iPad because with the new iBook, two designed iBooks, when in portrait mode, the images go away. Okay, that all said, on the first day, I mentioned it, my iBook made it to number one uh, in its subcategory, which is digital media, media for free iBooks. It was number eight in the main category it's under, which is computers and internet for free books. And it made it to number 102 for all free books in all the categories in iTunes. So kudos to everyone that downloaded it and pushed it up there. We almost made it in the top 100. To uh, get to 102 in the rankings, it required 320 downloads during that day. The second day I had 270 downloads and I was in the 104 to 108 range overall. 
The third day, I had 122 downloads and dropped almost out of the top 200. And on the fourth day, I was out of the top 200 overall with just 93 downloads. So for anyone looking to do an iBook and a free one, it looks like you really need to be between somewhere between 350 and 400 downloads in it the first day the thing, um, to get yourself in the top 100 of all free iBooks. In the first six days that the book was available for download after mentioning on the show, there were over 900 total downloads. So again, thanks to everyone that helped out. And I do want to say this, you know, having used the iBook author app uh, that's on the Mac, it really is a nice app, really easy to use to create an iBook. And I'm going to be adding in some more additional uh, multimedia features in my iBook uh, in the near future, and I'll put a new rev up. But if you haven't downloaded it, um, please do so. Again, just search for Podcast 101 in iBooks on your iPad or in iTunes on your computer, and you can download it. But you do need an iPad to open it, and you should open it in landscape mode. Into the email bag we go. Hey, Rob. A listener recently asked about functionality in the calendar in the iPhone comparable to the Palm OS. I found if you use Siri on your iPhone 4S, you can create calendar entries incremental by minutes by specifying the minute you want the calendar on the appointment to start. You can also create reminders and alarms that start on a specific minute as well. However, you cannot modify it later and change it to another minute without using Siri. Regards, Steve. Well, thanks, Steve, for the tip. Back into the email bag. Hello, Rob. Back in October 2010, I snagged a copy of the VLC media player for the iPhone from the Apple App Store. I didn't know that Apple pulled it in January of 2011. I see there is now a VLC streamer. Do you know how this new app differs from the original? I also see VLC media player is now in Cydia. Thanks, Stephen. Hi, Stephen. The original VLC app, which I mentioned on the show a few times, and I have as well, it allows playing of video files right on your iOS device. But you need to load those video files on your iOS device first. You use iTunes with your iOS device connected and then place video files in the VLC library, which allows for direct playing of the video files on your iOS device. VLC Video Streamer, however, looks to be streaming video files that are on your computer to your iOS device over a shared Wi-Fi network connection. So really, two very different apps. One is for playing video files that reside locally on your iOS device. The other is for streaming to your iOS device from a computer. Hi Rob, this is Kevin from Wales in the UK. I don't think I've ever heard you mention this before, but since iOS 5, you can't disable notifications globally, only on an app-by-app -app basis. This is frankly a pain in the butt. I often want to disable no notifications for a little while, but doing so individually is not really practical. I'm currently playing the awesome Pimple Arcade game, and I've lost count of the times I've lost the ball due to the frame rate going haywire during the arrival of a notification. Do you know of any jailbreak tweak that can disable notifications globally? I don't want to switch on airplane mode, as I still want to be reachable. Thanks, Rob, and keep up the good work. Kevin, thanks for the feedback. As far as doing this without a jailbroken iOS device, I am not sure how you would do a bulk turnoff without having it jailbroken. On the jailbroken side, I'm sure there's some apps out there for doing a quick toggle on and off, something probably for SPS settings. 
Uh, if anyone is using an app on the jailbreak side to turn notifications on and off, uh, please let us know what your favorite jailbreak app is for toggling notifications quickly on and off globally. As always, you can give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. On the news front, really can't seem to get away from China today. We've been reporting on rumors of China Telecom getting the iPhone for some time now. Well, the rumor status can now be officially changed to news status, as China Telecom has officially announced they will start selling the iPhone 4S on Friday, March 9th, with pre-orders starting Friday, March 2nd at their website 189.cn. China Telecom is the 21st largest carrier in the world, but that is only good enough for third place in China. China Telecom has about 95 million subscribers versus 169 million for China Unicom, which already had the iPhone. Then there is China Mobile, which is the largest carrier in China and the world, with about 650 million subscribers. That's 650 million subscribers. Just think how many they could have if they had the iPhone. Anyway, no word yet about China Mobile and the iPhone. Just rumors at this point. Switching gears. When Apple released their iPad numbers, while larger than what most analysts had predicted, the number was less than what most felt was possible, and that the key reason for Apple not selling more iPads last quarter was the launch of the Kindle Fire. Now, don't be jumping to conclusions, says iSupply. They feel the number one drag on iPad sales in Q4 2011 was not the Kindle Fire, but rather was the iPhone 4S. That, they said, did more to hamper sales of the iPad than did competition from the Kindle Fire. And while that kind of makes sense that the iPhone 4S was a big competitor to the iPad for consumers' funds, I do feel the Kindle Fire did pull away sales from the iPad. How much sales? Well, this next article kind of gives some insight into that. Seems there was a study done by techbargains.com, and more than half of the Kindle Fire owners surveyed said they plan to buy an iPad 3 when it is launched. When you consider that Amazon is speculated to have sold about 5 million Kindle Fires, that means about at 58% that are looking to get the iPad 3. There could be close to 3 million Fire owners that feel they were, dare we say, burned by the Fire, and now are looking to warm up to the iPad 3. And, ooh... And even those sticking with the fire said no tablet compares to the iPad. Guess I will be getting online early for the iPad 3 when it is announced. Supply could be a bit tight. Kara Schwisher from All Three Things D is pretty set on Wednesday, March 7th being the date of the iPad 3 keynote. She's pretty adamant. I'm, she's saying that's it. It's going to happen. That's when it's going to happen. The actual launch where you can actually go and buy the device, that will likely be the 16th, 17th, or 23rd, 24th of March. Me loving these stats in this next article, which is stats from a leaked USA Today presentation covering their app's stats. There have been 4.8 million downloads of the USA Today app for the iPhone, iPod Touch versus 3.1 million for the Android phones and just 80,000 for Windows Phone. On the tablet side, things are much worse for the competition. The iPad had 2.9 million downloads versus 130,000 for Android tablets not called Kindle and Fire. There were some 260,000 downloads for the Kindle Fire, and WebOS had 250,000 downloads. So the WebOS tablet 
was about double all the other Android tablets not called Fire. Or put another way, the iPad had 2.9 million downloads versus 640,000 downloads for every other tablet combined. Yeah, if you're a dev, where are you going to develop your apps for first? Just saying. Thanks to Tash for the heads up on this next one, which is one of those fluff pieces I love so about world leaders and their iPads. This time it is about Jacob Zuma, the South African president, seems he likes to use his iPad to prepare his State of the Nation address. Well done, Mr. Zuma. Thanks, Satash, for the heads up on this next one as well. And it is about a study done in Auburn, Maine, of kindergartners, and it found that those that used iPads scored better in every literacy test than those who didn't. I'm assuming they are talking about using the iPad for educational apps and not for just Fruit Ninja. Seems those using the iPad were more interested in learning and exciting to be there. Now, what is not stated is if the results of the kindergartners were different for the schools compared prior to using the iPad. In other words, are there test results comparing iPad-using schools to non-iPad-using schools pre- and post-using the iPad? In any case, I can say my kindergartner loves using the iPad. I will also say when I quiz my son for his sight words, these, these are words that he needs to know to recognize instantly when he sees them. There is one word he has always gotten right 100% of the time, and that is the word play. Hmm. I'm sure that has nothing to do with the games. For those not happy or satisfied with pages, keynote, and numbers, the iWork suite for your iPad, well, there is news that Word, PowerPoint, and Excel, the Office suite, are coming sooner rather than later, or in this case, more later, with the launch possible in the next few weeks. As more and more iPads officially make their way into the workplace, and with the vast majority of Fortune 500 companies already deploying iPads, the move of Office to the iPad was something Microsoft kind of had to do. After all, they don't want all iPad users just using the iWork suite when they could, well, pay for the Microsoft um, Office Suite. Supposedly, the Office Suite will allow for creation and editing of Word docs and Excel files and PowerPoint docs. More to come on this once it is officially announced. Actually, I need to amend that last statement. As we now have more info on this story, kind of, Seems that Microsoft is saying, no, the story first reported in the daily that Office for iPad is coming is, well, wrong. Or as Microsoft said, quote, the daily story is based on inaccurate rumors and speculation, unquote. Then the daily said, oh, no, they did not, and stood pat on their story about Office for the iPad, stating that the images they had in their story were from a working version of the app that was demoed to them by someone at Microsoft which you would assume would be the end of the story, because really, at this point, Microsoft is best to not say anything. But what is best is not always what is done these days in Redmond. And Microsoft came back and said, quote, Great respect for the Daily, but regrettably, someone is giving them bad info, and that'll be clear in the coming weeks, unquote. Which immediately makes you say, what will be clear in the coming weeks, and why did you say coming weeks at all, if you know you did not have a product well coming in the coming weeks? Okay, but let's now say you don't want to use the Apple apps, keynote, numbers, and pages, and you don't want to wait for the coming weeks, 
and you really just want a single app on your iPad that will open and edit Word, Excel, PowerPoint, well, there is an app for that. It's called Office 2 HD. Well, actually, it's Office Squared HD. But no matter what you call it, it is a very nice app that they sent me a promo code to try out a few weeks ago. With this app, you can choose from uh, your email to open Word, Excel, PowerPoint, PDF, and text files. You just tap and hold on the file in your email and then select Open In and then select the Office Squared HD app. You can then edit and save those files into a folder on your iPad and from there, you can email them out. So if you are looking for a single app that does all that Office for Microsoft will likely do, you can get it now for $7.99 in the App Store. I'll say this, as with any editing app, make sure you save often as you are working on a document. They do not appear to have any autosave feature built into this app, or at least I did not find it. So there has been a rumor going around about a supposed iPad 3 screen that was sent to Mac Rumors, who, well, have now sent it to iFixit for analysis. And per the analysis, they found it to be the same shape, size, as the iPad 1 and iPad 2 screens, but when looking under a microscope, found it had four times the pixels per inch and is a 2048 by 1536 display, which is double the resolution of the iPad 1 and 2. So if it quacks like a duck and walks like a duck, it's likely a duck, or in this case, an iPad 3 display. This fits in with what was expected as one of the three biggest changes to the iPad 3. That is the high resolution. The other two are the new A6 processor and also the LTE option for those that want cellular connection. I will get out a bingo card that summarizes all the rumors that have been thrown around shortly, and we'll probably talk about that on the next episode. Into the email bag we go. Hi Rob, I'm looking for a web design app. I've been using iWeb, MobileMe, and hosting with misc.com. I recently bought domains from your recommended domains company, Hover. Jimdo was recommended by Hover. Squarespace was used by uh, www.quillscoffee.com, and it viewed well on an iOS device as well as laptop screen. Do you or your audience have any standout recommendations regards Cindy? Hi, Cindy. I know of one app called HTML Egg Web Page Creator that is $15.99 in the App Store. I personally have not used it, so best to read the reviews on iTunes and elsewhere. It does seem to have a lot of nice features, including a WYSIWYG editor. I'm going to send out a call right now to uh, listeners of the show to see if anyone out there has used HTML Egg or any other web page creation editing tool. And if so, which ones uh, did you use and what are your thoughts on them? As always, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or shoot us an email at todayandios at gmail.com. Back into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. With regards to the question about forgetting a Wi-Fi network you are not currently connected to, the most direct route is to reset network settings. That will forget all save Wi-Fi networks, so you'll have to enter a password again for any network you want to connect to. But if you are concerned enough about connecting automatically to a flyby Linksys network, that might be worth the trouble it causes you to do that. If you do not wish to lose all of your other saved networks, you must connect back to a Linksys hotspot. Either go to your friend's house again, or set up your own Linksys hotspot if you have a spare router around, or 
feel if you feel like messing with your current Wi-Fi router, you can change your router to set it to the same SSID name and same encryption. Uh, should should do it. That is uh, Linksys, one word in quotes, and no encryption. Best of luck, Dennis in Louisville, Kentucky. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for the feedback. Okay, for this next one, it is a new app in the Apple App Store, which I cannot download it, or I should really say I will not download it for fear of losing what little sleep I have left. Uh, it is the new Midway Arcade app, and it is just 99 cents, which has multiple games with at the 99 cents, including Defender, Joust, Rampage, and Spy Hunter. I used to buy arcade machines at a local video game auction here in Kansas City. They have it every three or four months. Uh, one of my favorite machines that I've purchased over the years, and then later re- I would buy them and then resell them at the auction, was a tabletop Defender. Oh, I missed that machine. It was, a, it was a sweet, hard to find. Anyway, I must resist from downloading this app. Actually, reading up on it, uh, it seems that many are disappointed by the gameplay via the touchscreen interface, and which really would be complicated with Defender, if you think about it. And for some reason, Midway did not see it necessary to support iCade with its apps. Bad choice. So I'm guessing I will be able to withstand downloading it until at least it has iCade support. But if you just have to get it now, uh, it's 99 cents and just search for Midway Arcade. And then there's two more in-app purchases to get you some other packs to some other games. But I mean, come on, Defender and Joust, Spy Hunter. Ooh, it's really hard for me not to download this. Marcus sent me a link to an article on USA Today titled, Consumers Want USB, 4G, and Lower Price for Next iPad. To which I say, consumers wanted a physical keyboard and removable battery when the iPhone was announced. What consumers say they want does not usually indicate what Apple is going to do. Apple got where they are by figuring out what consumers wanted and needed before consumers even knew they wanted or needed it. Apple did this not based on a study group or on surveys, but rather by being really, really smart, or lucky, or probably a combination of both. Many are reporting on the iPhone antenna class action lawsuit, which was finally settled. Yes, it takes everything in my being not to let out a big yawn right there. Really, who even knew or cared this was going on? That said, if you were one of the early iPhone 4 owners, you can get $15 or a new case for your iPhone 4, as long as you did not take up Apple on their offer for a case in the past. In that case, which I fall into, this news is, well, not news to me at all. If you are someone that did not get your bumper case or the case of your choosing in the past for the iPhone 4 from Apple, then you will be contacted shortly about getting the iPhone case or $15 uh, cash money, whichever you do choose. Again, Apple will be sending out emails to those of you. So really nothing for you to do right now, but wait for you to get your email. But again, if you already got your bumper case when you took Apple up on their original offer, this settlement means nothing to you. Thanks to Maria for the heads up on this next one, which is about a new found security bug for the iPhone. This security flaw allows non-authorized individuals to get around your iPhone's passcode and access your voicemail, contacts, recent call list, and other data. So how do they do this? Well, with a paperclip, of course. See, here's how it works. 
someone grabs, steals, comes across your iPhone, and your phone has a passcode on it, which I'm guessing most don't. But for those that do, here is how they get around the passcode security. First, there needs to be a missed call notification visible on the home screen, which while it may sound like any random person stealing your phone would not know, uh, let's say to give a call and put one on there. Let's assume in this case, the person is someone that knows you, say a stalker or an ex or a current overly controlling or jealous significant other in which case they can just call your phone to get the missed call notification. Then what they do using a paperclip is they remove your iPhone SIM card, wait a few secs, then put it back in. Then they swipe their finger across the missed call just as the iPhone recognizes the SIM card again. Obviously timing is everything and it may take them a few tries. But look, if they're determined enough to appropriate your phone not legitimately, and pop out the SIM card and try it once, I'm sure they will keep trying until they get it. I've seen some kind of poo-pooing this issue or vulnerability saying there are too many ifs. But if you are someone in a relationship and worried about your other significant person finding out something you don't want them to, say maybe a call to the local women's shelter, then this could be a big issue. There is a way to block this now, and that is to turn off missed call notifications. Not ideal, but if you are someone this would be a real threat to, it's definitely worth doing. Do so, go to the settings app, then notifications, then phone, then scroll down and turn off view and lock screen. That's it. Solution solved. Vulnerability taken care of. Except you just don't see your missed calls anymore up on your screen. For most people, this is not an issue, and turning it off is a bigger pain than not. But for those few that have someone close to them, they don't want to get access to their voicemails and recent calls, this could be significant. On a side note, if you are in said relationship where you fear for your safety, get out. Get out now. It will not get better. And if you are the one doing the cheating and you don't want to get caught, well, I'm sorry for giving you the heads up on this. Karma will get you one way or another. Thanks to Tash for this next story, which is about the current rise in cases of nomophobia. What is nomophobia, you ask? Well, it is the fear of being without your iPhone, or phone in general. I can say I never suffer from this because, well, I'm always with my iPhone. It sleeps next to me, right on the arm stand within arm's reach, right next to my bed. It's with me everywhere I go that does not involve water. Per thinking about actually being without it, which is what the real fear is, well, why would you do that? It's just like thinking about being without internet access or electricity or indoor plumbing. I just don't find it healthy to think about such things. I received an email from Chris in Connecticut who had downloaded the iTether app from iTunes last year during the brief period it was live in the App Store. And it had been working for him, but recently he found that the app is no longer on his iOS device, nor on his computer. What he wants to know is if anyone else with the iTether app still has the app, and is it still working for them? I guess the real question here is, did Apple perform a remote wipe of the app, which they technically can do, but have not done so far, that at least that I'm aware of, for any other apps? Let us know. 
206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I tried using the City app Ringer X VIP that was mentioned on episode 210, and I had some issues with it. First time I installed it, my alarms would no longer ring when the phone was on mute, which they always did before. I uninstalled it and reinstalled the app, and all was fine for a few days, but then my phone would not vibrate when it was on mute, and this continued until I removed the app. I think the app has great potential if the developers can work out those bugs. Well, there's my review of Ringer X VIP app. Regards, Hector from Auburn, New York. Thanks, Hector, for the view of Ringer X VIP. I had another group of people reporting in the number of apps that they had opened in the last week. Jim had 30, Dan had 48, Chris B had 41, Dave C had 41 also. William B had 25, Chris D had 60, Greg F had 39, Mike O had 37, Ian had 43, and Brian F had 32. For an average of 39.6 apps opened in a week. And to date, that is an average of 39 apps opened in a week by listeners of TII which is why as an app dev, you need to send in promo codes for the giveaway segment. This is an app intense audience. And speaking of app intense, Apple is doing their countdown to 25 billion apps downloaded, which should happen sometime here in the next week. Go check it out, download some apps. Maybe you'll win. I think if you win, again, they're doing like $10,000 of iTunes credit or whatever it is. So some big prize which probably more than likely no one who listens to the show is going to win it. But hey, if you listen to the show and you win the prize for the 25 billionth download, let me know. Looks like Apple is spending a little bit of its money. As first reported by M.G. Sigler over at TechCrunch, Apple is purchasing the company Chomp. Chomp's purpose in life is making it easier to find apps. And with over 500,000 apps, that is something iTunes has not done the best job at. And well, with this acquisition, Apple is saying that they kind of agree with that assessment. Chomp also had service offerings for Android apps and a special deal with Verizon for helping on Android apps in the VCast store. Expect that deal not to be renewed. Congrats to the folks at Chomp for wrestling away some of Apple's cash, which they hold on to tighter than, well, I'm not going to go there. And we look forward to seeing how their service is integrated into iTunes or with iTunes. Either way, right now, Chomp is a free standalone app in the App Store, or you can go to chomp.com and uh, do searches there. Who knows what Apple will do with the app. Uh, so you might just want to go and download the free app Chomp while it's still available in the App Store. In the past, we had a question about the March Madness app from CBS. Well, it will be back for 2012 on March 7th. This time, however, it will not be free. It will cost users $3.99. That will give you access to all 67 tournament games, starting with the first four at the University of Dayton Arena, of course. You will be able to stream the games via Wi-Fi or 3G. There will also be the audio stream of each game from Westwood One, plus all the features as before. There is a link to an article at Mac Rumors with more details on this. Again, March 7th is when that app will be available, and $3.99 is the price. Pretty reasonable, actually, to get all 67 games. There's a post over at GigaOM last week titled, iPhone app lets visually impaired type and text. 
They talked about new software out of Georgia Tech called Braille Touch, which is a prototype app that uses traditional Braille input on the iPhone touchscreen, allowing people to type up to 32 words per minute. To which I need to ask a question. Is this needed? I hear from many visually impaired listeners that talk about how much they love their iPhone and the accessibility features and Siri. So with all the iPhone already has as far as accessibility goes, would this software from Georgia Tech complement the iPhone or is it just a solution that is no longer needed? I ask honestly because I don't know. It it just seems with what people reported being able to do already with the iPhone This did not seem like it was more than what Apple already provides. Let me know your thoughts on this, 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG, or email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Thanks, Tash, for this next one, and it is for all you photogs out there, or wannabe photogs. This is a post on National Geographic site, and it is titled, A Photographer's Guide to iPhone Photo Apps. Link in the show notes for episode 213 at todayinios.com. They mentioned some apps that we've mentioned here in the past and some that we have not. And this is a nice grouping in one place. It includes the apps Hipsmatic, Pick Grunger, SynthCam, and more. Plus, there are some nice photos to look at as well. Thanks to Ramon for this next one, which is an article over at Redmond Pie about the app Sarah, which you might expect is a ripoff of Siri. Sarah is a Cydia app and works on all iPhones, iPads, and iPod Touches, sans the first-gen iPod Touch, that is, but works on all the iPhones, including the first-gen iPhone. And it is free. I have not had a chance to play with it yet, so I want to do a call-out to anyone that has used Sarah and also used Siri. Let me know what your thoughts are on Sarah and how it compares to Siri. 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. The folks at ThinkGeek have done it again. Well, okay, they have modified what they have did before and are about to do it again. They announced that later this year, they will have available a small D-pad-style game controller. They are calling it the iCade 8-Bitty. No joke, the 8-Bitty is a Bluetooth controller and has the same number of buttons as its big brother, the original iCade. The nice thing about this, other than the $24.99 price, which is pretty sweet, is that it fits in your pocket and works with all the games the current iCade works with. This is a real plus for the Road Warrior. Now in flight, you can prop up your iPad on your table tray and pull out your 8-bitty. Wow, that sounded so wrong. Okay, whip out your 8-bitty. No. Let's see. How about reach into your pants and grab your 8-bitty? Yeah, okay. Now we're just going to completely jump the rail. Anyway... You can use your 8-Bitty in places that the original iCAD just would not work. Oh, and for those that don't know or remember what a D-pad controller is, it is the one with the T or X-shape controller for the joystick part of it. D-pad actually stands for directional pad, not a D-shaped. For you old-time Nintendo users, yeah, it was that controller. More to come on the 8-Bitty when it's released. Hey Rob, Levi from California. Just want to thank Tim from Atlanta about the showcase. Dude, I was racking my brain forever. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Another great reason why I listen to this podcast because you can call in with questions. And if Rob doesn't know, 
got the whole community to pool on to be able to find out the answer. Have a good one. Bye. Levi, thanks for the thanks, and that's going to lead us into this next email. Hi, Rob. I need either your help or your audience's. Where I work, we are on Business Google, and I believe we may get rid of Office, Microsoft's. My problem I need resolved is I sync my calendar, email, and contacts through Microsoft Exchange to my iPhone 4. Our IT department will allow us to download our contacts via Google Chrome to a CSV file, and I have uploaded that to my Gmail account. Uh, It comes in ugly, but... I have tried many apps and none of them have really pulled in contacts and have the duplicates merge well, but it is better than losing them all. My problem is that we can download our calendar, but when we you upload to a Gmail account, it only reflects your calendar event as busy. How do I get the actual events uh, which are on my devices to either a Gmail account? Um, I is there a solution or app I can buy to do this? Regards, Rob. Well, Rob, I don't know how to answer your question on that one, but I will leave it out to the audience to help. Uh, if anyone out there can help out Rob, please let us know. Give us a call, 206-666-6364 or 206-MOONDOG. And you can also email us at todayinios at gmail.com. Hopefully someone can help you out there, Rob. Hi, Rob. After listening to the latest podcast, I checked out Notability. It says 80% off this week only for a new release. 99 cents. Thought you might want to share this with your listeners. I haven't missed an episode since the beginning. I look forward to it every week. Regards, Tom Kelsey. Tom, thanks for the heads up on the reduced price of Notability. If Folks, if you were thinking about Notability, now jump on it. Now is your chance to get it at the reduced price. Hey, Rob. Levi, Riverside, California. I'm on AT&T and I just hit 2.2 gigs of uh, data usage and I've gotten an email and a uh, text message saying that they're going to evaluate my, the next month of my usage. Hey Rob, how's it going? This is Joe out in Long Island. I also got that, that infamous AT&T text and when I checked my data, I was only using about 2.1 gigs. Rob, Mike from the San Bernardino Mountains and I have been getting notices from AT&T that they are going to throttle my my account. I'm in the top 5% of users, which I find impossible to believe. And as of today, I have been throttled down to something that really makes the iPhone impossible to use. Hello, Rob, and today in iOS listeners. I, like many others, am one of the 5%. I got my first official throttling notice last week, a few days before the end of my billing cycle. I went from speeds of about 5 megabits down to 30 kilobits. Uh, At the time of the notice, I'd used a little under 10 gigs, but I used to use more. I just download a lot of podcasts. That's my radio. That's my background noise. I've been doing a little research on this, and as far as the contract goes, it binds us all to never participating in a class action lawsuit or even getting a trial by jury. Yeah, we waived that right for good as soon as we signed that first contract. Rob, it's Tim from Chicago. Just wanted to call let you know, I received a text message that I was in the top 5%. So basically, I looked into starting the arbitration process. And here's how it works in a nutshell. 
Um, you pay $125 fee. First of all, you have to send a letter of dispute to AT&T's legal department saying, hey, I intend to start arbitration process unless you want to resolve this. Now, AT&T may have some incentive to help you resolve it and may do something for you. Basically, if it goes to arbitration, AT&T has to pay not only your arbitration fee, which is $125 for filing, but also they have to pay 700 and I believe $50 or $775. Uh, regardless of the outcome, they have to pay that fee and they may end up having to pay more if uh, the arbitrator finds in your position. So I would urge all of our listeners, your listeners rather, who have gotten the sex message, uh, who are locked into the unlimited data plan, uh, to start the arbitration process and see what kind of relief AT&T will give us. I will report back to you once I hear back from their legal team I've just mailed off the first letter in this step, which is the letter of dispute uh, with AT&T. You have to send it certified mail to their legal department. So good work on the podcast. Uh, I love the show. Talk to you soon. Bye. And that's just a small sampling of the AT&T complaints that I have received. Uh, we've been talking about the AT&T feedback issues with the throttling, or as I like to say, We've been playing feedback of AT&T throttle victims for some time now, but lately it seems mainstream media is starting to discover the issue. And this next story should really help bring it to the forefront. And that is a story about Matt Spaccarelli. I think it's Spaccarelli, however he says his name. Anyway, if you're a listener, you are loved by many today. Who is Matt Spaccarelli? You ask, well, he is the guy that was the first domino to fall in the AT&T's throttling nightmare. We should also send some love out to Judge Russell Nadell, who ruled in favor of Matt when he took on AT&T to small claims court over the whole issue of data throttling. The judge ruled that this is not fair for AT&T to purposely slow down his iPhone when AT&T had sold him an unlimited data plan. I'll put unlimited there in quotes. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. In this case, Matt won $850. AT&T said they would appeal this ruling. Marty Richter, spokesman for AT&T, said, quote, At the end of the day, our contract governs our relationship with our customers. Unquote. Mr. Richter also had this to say about the relationship with the customers. Perhaps I can find new ways to motivate them. Well, that doesn't sound very good. Anyway, it does seem the small claims court route is one of the two available options uh, as the class action lawsuit in this case is not possible. The Supreme Court held up a clause in the AT&T subscriber contract that prohibits customers from filing a class action suit or a jury trial, as mentioned earlier by one of the callers. Uh, the other option beyond small claims court is the arbitration method, which was mentioned by Tim here just before the segment. So AT&T, be prepared for either lots and lots of little cases like this or a bunch of arbitration cases. And you know, if you don't want all this, you could just not throttle. There was a post last week about how having the iPhone is a nightmare for carriers because of the subsidies. Actually, the title of the article was, quote, the iPhone is a nightmare for carriers, unquote. It went over the three big carriers in the U.S. and how selling all those iPhones hurt the bottom line for the quarters they sold them, uh, especially that last quarter where they all sold a ton of iPhone 4Ss. And it is interesting to read the quotes of the analysts 
that still bemoan the iPhone and say it is bad for the carriers. Which is interesting because Dan Hesse, who might actually know a wee bit more than the analysts, says the iPhone will be Sprint's most profitable phone. Hesse continued, quote, The cost of selling iPhones and meeting Sprint's volume commitment to Apple will be more than offset by the iPhone's network efficiencies, the ability to track new subscribers, expected lower churn rates among iPhone subscribers, and lower calls to customer care. 40% of activated iPhones went to subscribers new to the Sprint network. Unquote. Stop me if you think I'm wrong, but to me, that does not sound like a nightmare. I mean, unless you're talking about that recurring nightmare I used to have about the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders on roller skates with cricket bats chasing me across the parking lot at the Meadowlands while I ran away in cheekless leather chaps. Ah, the power of audio. Let that visual bounce around in your head for a few seconds. Okay, anyway, I'm not seeing how this is a nightmare for the carriers with the iPhone. I mean, if you want to talk about nightmares, let's look at the ones that T-Mobile are having. They just announced that they saw a net loss of 526,000 customers in the fourth quarter. T-Mobile, not analyst, said the following, quote, Customer losses is a result of intense competitive pressure from the launch of the iPhone 4S by three nationwide competitors in the fourth quarter of 2011, unquote. So when a CEO of a major U.S. telco has dreams of running through the Meadowlands parking lot and cheekless leather chaps being chased by Tim Cook on roller skates wielding a cricket bat, it is the CEO of T-Mobile that wakes up screaming, not the CEOs of AT&T, Sprint, or Verizon. Just saying. And to continue with this T-Mobile story, T-Mobile announced on Thursday that if we can't beat them, um, no pun intended, and we can't join them, we'll at least change our network configuration so that older iPhone users can use our network fully. So if you can unlock said older iPhone in the near future, you will be able to enjoy 3G data speeds nationwide on T-Mobile. That means for $70 a month, no contract, you can get unlimited voice and text plus 5 gig of 3G data before they start to throttle you. Good for you, T-Mobile plus getting their network iPhone compatible, I am sure will make it easier for them to officially get the iPhone in the near future. Thanks to Tash for the heads up on this next one, and it is an article from TUAW that I felt fit in nice here. And that is about the secondary market for iPhones is thriving. Many of you listening to this show are not on your first iPhone. And when you got rid of your old iPhone to get the new one, there's a good chance whomever you gave it to or sold it to activated it on a carrier. The carrier that the iPhone was activated on had the benefit of getting a contract with that person, even if it was month to month, without having to pay forward for the iPhone, no subsidy. It seems that 89% of old iPhones get activated again on a wireless carrier. I mentioned recently my wife is going to be using my old iPhone 4 on T-Mobile once we can get that unlocked, and uh, you know, when that unlock for 4.11.08 comes out. For Apple, while a used iPhone being activate does not get them a new sale, many of those getting exposed to the iPhone ecosystem will eventually spring for a new iPhone themselves. The really good news for iPhone owners is that the iPhone holds its value much better than any other smartphone. Actually, almost no other smartphone holds any real value. Price economics 
that's a site, Priceonomics, I guess, Priceonomics.com did a study because you can't have an, too many studies out there. And what they found in their study of the used smartphone market is pretty much what you would expect. After 18 months, an iPhone is still garnered an average of 53% of its original unsubsidized price. So an iPhone that sold for $600 at launch unsubsidized would sell used for over $300 18 months later. That is in line what we've talked about in the past for each new iPhone launch. The study found a few months after you purchase a new iPhone, you could probably sell it at or near full retail value. But on the Android handset side, you would have lost hundreds of dollars in value over that same period of time. Part of the reason they think that this is the case is one, iPhones will continue to be supported with new software for quite some time, while many Android devices when they come out of the gate are, are rev behind already and the latest software cannot be upgraded onto that device. Plus there are also so many different versions uh, that fragmentation is driving down the prices on the Android side. This comes back to each year whenever there was a new iOS device released, people were able to sell the previous year's version and basically be a wash for them to upgrade to the new one. So basically they were selling the old one for about the same price it was costing them for the new one. So just moving forward. So you, that's a value add that you get with the IO, iPhone that you do not get on the Android side. Okay, time to break a few copyright rules here. And thanks to Myron for encouraging me to do so. And this would be per the Dilbert cartoon for February 23rd. In the cartoon, the pointy-haired boss says to Dilbert, quote, there is room in the market for a device that's bigger than a phone but smaller than a tablet. Unquote. To which Dilbert responds, quote, So you want me to design something that is a bad tablet and an even worse phone? Unquote. And there's another pain there with another joke, but really, is the, that's enough right there. And yes, I am sure they are talking about the Samsung Note, but they could also have been talking about the old Dell 5-inch streak, which, you know, did oh so well when it was released. I want to thank our sponsor again today, and that's Hover. And if you go to tii.hover.com and then use the promo code SAVE25, that's S-A-V-E-2-5, SAVE25, you can save 25% off a new email account at Hover. And you do need to hurry on that. That promo code is only good to February 29th. As always, I want to encourage you to send feedback to the show. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. I encourage you to send in tips, tricks, app reviews, questions, anything you want to share with the audience or help out or answer anyone's questions on today's show. Really appreciate your feedback. It helps drive the show and move it forward. And if you haven't done so, please go into the iTunes search for TII and purchase the TII app. It's just $2.99 in the App Store. With it, you get push notifications whenever there's breaking news or a new episode goes up. I send out a push. It also is the easiest way to stream the latest episode. So when you get that push, you can then go right in and consume that new episode. There's a nice link list in the extra section so you can follow along as I talk about the different articles. You can just watch them and read them as you're listening to the show. Again, just search for TII in the App Store. And that's going to go ahead and do it for us today. 
Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today and iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today and iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. 